Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and today I'm chatting to Andy Langford of Cruise Bereavement Care. I'm going to be finding out from him what the charity does, and also how we can all support people who have lost loved ones during these difficult times. Careers has been around for just over 60 years, and we support anyone who's been bereaved um, in the UK. Uh, That's historically been through providing um, one-to-one support uh, or group support on a face-to-face basis, and that you would usually define as a type of bereavement counselling. But certainly over the last few years, we've been expanding our services to include lots of support over the telephone. Of late, due to the the, uh, global pandemic, we've um, massively stepped up our helpline, which is our first response service to people who who need support there and then. We do a lot more on on the web now and also on social media. And we've also over the past few years, really diversified. So we do lots more work with organisations around peer group support where people meet with each other um, and we facilitate them supporting each other and also undertake activities as well. So we have partnerships around people going for walks or doing creative things together, um, which can certainly complement then the opportunity to speak with each other. Um, so there's mm-hmm. lots of things that we now do um, to, to help people and also to help people help each other. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. Can you tell me a little bit more about the way that you've adapted during the pandemic in terms of that support? Are you doing sort of Zoom meetings for support or is it the, the phone line? What's the, the things that you're kind of focused on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we know from our volunteer and um, from our uh, clients at Cruise is that uh, people tend to need different things at different times when they're bereaved. 
but also that each bereavement that people experience is is sort of experienced in a different way. So there are there are different challenges and different problems um, when a bereavement comes, um, and also afterwards. And so what we've done is we've shifted um, our face to face work over to remote uh, remote support. The majority of it is via the telephone. Um, as I say, some is by the helpline, but also we provide that ongoing support that we would have normally provided face-to-face, we now provide over the phone. Um, we provide some web-based support via, by, via Zoom, but um, a lot of our clients have continued to say they want, they're, they're very comfortable in speaking on the phone. And actually, prior to um, the global pandemic, we were finding that more and more people were saying that they preferred interacting on the phone because it gave them a, a sense of um, security and safety in that they could be as um, transparent as they needed to be, as they felt comfortable to be. But also, it felt a little bit more anonymous. And so there was some value in that for people. So so for some, they were finding they were transferring over to that type of support anyway. Mm. Yeah, I'd love if you could tell us a bit more about the helpline, what it's called and, and sort of when it runs and also what people can expect when they call it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Cruises Pandemic Helpline um, is, is around now for, um, for, for weekdays, um, three, um, and that's, that's through from 9.30 in the morning through till five in the evening. And then on Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays, we stay open until eight o'clock. Um, on Saturdays and Sundays, we're also open from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. And when you phone up, uh, what you would do is you would um, be able to speak with a bereavement volunteer. And that's someone who is fully trained um, and experienced at taking those calls from people who have experienced a bereavement. Um, and that can be any type of bereavement. It can be one that is uh, due to you being directly bereaved through COVID-19. Um, or it can be a bereavement that you might have experienced a number of years ago, but actually the the type of material you come into contact with every day around around the pandemic has sort of triggered those um, really difficult emotions and difficult thought um, processes that mean it's hard to cope at the moment. So you can speak about those things as well. And mm. really the call lasts for as, as long as you need it to be, but we find most people are on the phone for around up to half an hour, maybe 20 minutes. And then what we can do is we can, we'll talk with you about, we'll provide you with some space to talk, which is so, so precious. That's what people keep telling us. It's precious to have that space to talk. And then we'll also provide you with, um, with a conversation around how best to cope um, and also how to help um, other people if those around you are experiencing bereavement. And then, and then also what we'll do is if needed, will help you work out who it is you can speak with in the future around the bereavement and also what you might need to um what are the services you might need to come into contact with if you're feeling things are a little more difficult. Um, and that may well include also a referral through to cruisers ongoing services. Yeah, I mean as we know we're going through a really difficult time at the moment and lots of people are losing sort of friends and loved ones. Have you seen a huge increase in people getting in touch with your services? Well, what we found is is when the um, pandemic first became apparent in the country, we actually uh, found that there was a dip in our services, a dip in our need that people presented to us. 
And that actually didn't surprise us because when there's some sort of critical incident that's very public, um, people's concerns are not often their immediate emotional well-being. It's often more practical things like how do I survive? How do I take care of myself? And just practically, and also those who are close to us who we might need to support, including adults and also children. Uh, you know, and a lot of people have faced that that juggle of of work and taking care of people at school as well. Um, but actually, what we've now seen over the last couple of weeks is we've seen that demand uh, consistently rise to a point then now where it is above what we would consider to be the normal sort of level of demand for this time of year. Um, so it's mm. continued, it's, it's rising and it's continuing to rise gradually. And that's why we're, we're recruiting more people to go on our helpline, we're training more people and we're making sure that um, volunteers are available to speak with people when they call. What specific struggles have people been dealing with at the moment in terms of the people who sort of ring up the helpline? Because there's been so many difficulties, haven't they, really? Very specific ones to our situation, like, for instance, you know, the rules around funerals. Um, what kind of things have people been struggling with? Absolutely. It's so varied. But, um, you know, one prime example is is one that we encountered on the helpline just the other day. Uh, and it was from a lady whose um, husband had actually been taken into, a hospi- into hospital as a result of COVID-19. He contracted it. And sadly, uh, he died in hospital. She wasn't able to be with him because she's in the vulnerable group. And, Mm -hmm. of course, what happened then for her is that she is both mourning the loss of a person who she has been with for decades. She's in a house on her own. And then also alongside that, she's worrying about her own health. So there's understandable fear included. You're literally thinking Will I be next? You know, my husband's died. I love him so much, still love him so much. And also, will I be next? And alongside all that, because she's in the vulnerable group and because of um, the lockdown restrictions that have been in place, then she's not able to attend the funeral. And so she's had to, with some family support remotely, had to arrange a funeral whilst at the same time knowing that she's not going to be there and also. She's both in tears and fearful for her own life. And so all those emotions and all those thoughts layer on top of each other to create what, 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 um, what this lady found to be an intolerable position. Um, mm. And what we were able to do is, is initially just provide some space to talk all of that out and try and make sense of, where possible, uh, all of those thoughts, all of those feelings put them into some sort of order for her so she can begin to understand why she feels so terrible, but understandably so. Um, And then from there, what support might be useful for her that she can get hold of at this time, which has included family and friends um, and also linking in with a couple of other services that are available remotely like ours. It's so hard, though, at the moment, because it just seems like the, the normal ways in which we would grieve, you know, seeing our closest friends and family are just... I mean, they're limited at the moment. You know, it's not the same as it was um, in the sort of the the height of lockdown when you you know you really couldn't see anyone at all. But it's still it's, it's still really difficult, isn't it? It's it's really difficult, and it's also um, it's the ongoing nature of it, knowing that we we don't have any control over what might happen. Um, we don't have any control over necessarily when the lockdown will 
will fully end, although obviously there's steps being taken. Um, but we also only have limited control over um, whether we do or don't catch the virus. We can take we can take precautions, obviously, uh, and right, rightly so. Um, but also that lack of control for people can be very, very difficult, particularly at a time when they may well have lost someone, someone's died, who's very close to them. And of course, they haven't had control of that either. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that can be, that can, that can really, that can, can perpetuate the difficulty. Yeah, it must be so hard, especially, like you say, like that lady who, I mean, she hasn't actually been able to kind of be with her husband when he died. I mean, um, it's just so awful for so many people. How, um, how do you support people who are going through, through things like that? Or I suppose what, what do your volunteers actually say to them when they're dealing with situations like that? Is it mainly a listening service or do you come up with a plan? Well, we do both. So we listen and we, and we come up with a plan with someone. Um, and we do both as much as people need, really. But what consistently is the case, both um, pre-COVID-19 and also now, are two common questions that people ask when they phone upon the helpline um, or get in touch actually via email uh, or in our grief chat facility, which is also available. Um, these two questions are firstly, um, sometimes in different words, but firstly, am I normal? And then am I mad? These are the two things that I've had those words said to me when I volunteered on the helpline before. And those um, questions are really fundamental to people because it's, it's, it talks of um, of someone trying to get an understanding of what is going on for them now in a situation which is intolerable and really difficult to fathom. Um, as you'll know, if you've experienced a bereavement, it's hard to think straight. I've found that myself uh, when experiencing a loss like that. And so having that time to speak it out as much as you need to helps you make sense of, to, to, an, ex- to an extent, of your thoughts and how you're feeling. And that's what we do. We provide that space. Um, and it's non-judgmental. It's, in t- it's, it's open. To, you know, we're open to hear what people got to say. And then what we do from there is help someone understand what they need at this point in time, and then what they might need, if this is possible to talk about that point, what they might need for the future. And that will involve coming up with some clear and non-complex plans around taking care of yourself. You know, what do you need for now? But then also um, understanding what other needs that might you not be able to meet yourself, but you might need some help with. And also talking with someone about how that help is understandable and we all need help at times. Um, so one example would be someone who I spoke with on the helpline a little while back, and he was very alone, very isolated. Um, that even though he had his family close around geographically, obviously they couldn't meet. And what he really wanted was was not actually a, a, a bereavement service, although he talked very openly and shared his grief on the phone with me. It was actually a befriending service because he was chronically lonely. Um, and the bereavement he experienced of his, of his father was uh, exposed that because he lived with his father. And so that was something we were able to do was was uh, find some services that are local to him that offer bereavement support, uh, not bereavement support, sorry, uh, befriending support uh, over the phone, and then he was able to link in with those. Um, and so we'll provide a, a bit of a, t- a tailored approach, really, to what people need. What advice um, 
do you have at the moment for people who are bereaved, especially in these bizarre times in which we live? There's some um, simple but but often th- uh, taken for granted things we can do. The first thing we can do is is make sure we monitor and look after ourselves. So when we're bereaved, some of those things we would normally do just to take care of ourselves day in, day out, uh, can, can fade and go. Um, it's things like making sure that you're, uh, that you're eating properly and drinking properly, um, making sure that you have the right balance of rest, but also having a bit of a program and organization to your day so that you know what you're doing day in, day out. You've got a purpose to get up in the morning. Um, also making sure that you have enough enough sleep um, or if it's difficult to sleep, that you are providing yourself with some rest uh, or some general activity to keep yourself active. Um, there's a lot of things can be thrown out of balance when you're bereaved and, you, and you, you're feeling absolutely gutted that someone is no longer with you. Coupled with the fact, of course, is that that person might have been part of your routine that kept you going. So it's important to, it's important to keep those things going. Another another thing we recommend or we strongly recommend is uh, not to inadvertently become isolated. So as, a, as, as someone bereaved, it won't be unusual if at times you want to be alone. You don't want to speak with anyone. You don't want to see anyone over, over video conferencing. Um, there'll be other times when you when that aloneness is intolerable and you want to be with people. And those two things are normal. Are difficult but normal and so what we would encourage uh, people to do is is not get to the point where you're cutting off inadvertently um people who would otherwise support you but actually explaining that sometimes you want to be alone and sometimes you need to need to be with people and and really what we advise is 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 literally not burning any bridges making sure that people are available for you um telling them so because that's what you'll need at the time um, because that isolation, uh, not just being alone, but that chronic isolation can compound the bereavement and make it all the worse. And so it's making sure that people are available and accessible for you. Mm-hmm. Um, another way that we would say is, is helpful is, if possible, find ways in which you can remember the person who has died in, in a way that benefits you and is helpful to you. So... You know, one example might be going through some old, old photos, looking at those, remembering the person, perhaps put them into a, into a scrapbook or an album. Um, it might even be that when you're going on your exercise and going on a walk, that you take the walk that you did with that person. Um, and so you're doing something that attaches yourself to them and you remember them. Um, what we would say at Cruise is that when someone dies, it doesn't mean we, re- we stop the relationship with them. It means it fundamentally changes, but it, but it doesn't stop. We still relate to the, the memory of the person when they've died. So it's important to, to um, keep an element of that going uh, so that we can filter actually what, what, is most, what is useful to us and what we need to remember from the person and our relationship with them. And what advice can you give to friends and colleagues and, and family in terms of supporting people that are really having a tough time in terms of um, bereavement? I mean, if you're out there and you're you're wondering well, what is it that I can say to someone to help them, um, or perhaps even the question, once again, this isn't an unusual one that we come across, is I don't know what to say. What do I say? There are no right words. Mm. Um, 
I'm sure we've all been in that situation, haven't we? Uh, it's entirely understandable. But also what we would say at Cruise is it's not about finding the right words to say. Um, it's actually about communicating that you're available and that you're there for someone. That it, it may even be useful to say literally, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Um, I don't have any words to say. or I don't know the right words to say, but I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. And, and, and that, that letting know can be verbal. It can be asking someone how they are um, or telling them that you're there for them. But also it can be practical as well. So it might be things like, certainly we've heard this through a number of occasions, is people dropping gifts, cards, food parcels round to people. Um, so those acts of service, if you like, can make a massive difference and show someone that they're not alone and that you're there for them. Yeah, thank you. And so it's basically about just showing people that you're you can support them, even sort of during these difficult times. I mean, you know, thankfully lockdown's easing slightly now, but um, yeah, it's about sort of going out of your way to to support them, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, as as we'd say, it's in, it's important for many people to remember the person who's died. It's important for those that haven't experienced that such a loss to remember those around them who have. Um, and, to, and to not forget that, not forget the impact. And it's not just the immediate impact. Often the emotional impact can kick in a lot later. Um, so after the funeral, after a number of months of, after the initial busyness of being bereaved, then, then realising that the person, you know, on a very fundamental level, they're not going to be back. They won't, they won't be around. Is there anything you'd like to add? Absolutely. So um, at Cruise Bereavement Care, we're here to 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 listen to you and be here for you if you need us. Um, our free helpline number is 0808 808 1677. And you can get us on email at helpline at cruise.org.uk. If you've been struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123. You can also find them online at samaritans.org. You can find us online. We have a Twitter account, which is at MentallyYRS. And you can also join our lovely Facebook group, which is simply called Mentally Yours. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.